It's the middle of the night. You're just trying to have a nice night in with your partner. And there's a knock at the door. What proceeds is a night of torment as three masked freaks make life a living hell with plenty of creepy vinyl records, burning cars, and close calls. Ah, you just can't beat a good home invasion. So come on in and join us as we find out what the f**k happened to the strangers. Originally titled The Faces, writer and director Brian Bertino came up with the idea due to an incident that happened to him as a child. With his parents out of town, a mysterious person came to his door, asking for someone that did not live there. Unlike the movie, this mystery man left without incident, but the next day they found out that several houses in the neighborhood had been broken into. Bertino took this idea and expanded upon it, taking inspiration from the book Helter Skelter, which infamously cataloged the Sharon Tate murders. Obviously, we've seen that story told time and time again, even being subverted to phenomenal results by Quentin Tarantino. Can I help you? Bertino entered his screenplay into a contest and later sold the rights to Universal Studios. The script was quite popular in Hollywood, with Charlize Theron and Thandie Newton interested in the role of the lead, Kristen. However, Bertino had always had only one person in mind for that role, Liv Tyler. Tyler had taken a bit of an acting hiatus after the birth of her child, but was really interested when the script came her way. Scott Speedman, having great success with the Underworld series, took on the role of James. And our terrorized couple was set. Oddly enough, Bertino actually wasn't interested in directing the film, originally selling his directing rights to Universal. Directors Mark Romanek and Justin Lin had both come aboard the project before eventually bowing out. Nearly two years after they had obtained the screenplay, Universal passed it off to its horror subsidiary, Rogue Pictures. Despite the fact that he'd never directed a feature before, Rogue approached Bertino about taking the directing job, which he graciously took. Can I have one? Are you a sinner? Sometimes. The masked villains were as follows. Dollface, played by Gemma Ward, she's our first introduced stranger. Then we had Laura Margolis playing Pinup Girl. And finally, the aptly titled Man in the Mask, played by Kip Weeks. He gets some of the best scary moments in the film, including the tremendous scene where he slinks around in the background, completely unbeknownst to Kristen. All three masks were chosen by Bertino as he really wanted them to look like they could be picked up from any corner store. He wanted to add to the allure that this could happen anywhere to anyone. Another character that some may not think of that is just as important to the story as any of the three masked villains was the house itself. One of the very first discussions were that it would be a ranch house built in the 70s. The characters needed to be able to move through this place and avoid the mass perpetrators in a believable way. 
And so we tried to find a house that your brother could have lived in, your father could have lived in, you could have grown up in. And the way we lit it, the colors we picked, we're all trying to find something comforting, trying to find something inviting so that we could destroy that. Thankfully, the filmmakers were able to find the perfect house in South Carolina, which featured all the elements they needed, including a forest, a long road, and a nearby barn. Though it should be stated, the interiors were shot in a massive warehouse because the inside of the house was quite small. Is Tamara here? No. No, you got the wrong house. I'll see you later. The Strangers filmed in South Carolina in late 2006 and was largely done in chronological order. This helped with both the actor performances as well as the continuity of the house and cars getting ravaged. Liv Tyler's Kristen McKay is in a constant state of fear. So the actress would find herself running and doing laps in order to properly convey the panic state. She even developed tonsillitis due to all the screaming that she had to do. Thankfully though, she doesn't have many spoken lines in the film and they were able to shoot around it. And remember how we mentioned that big warehouse? Well, I'm not sure if you've ever been in a massive warehouse before, but there's a lot of echo. And when you've got a film with as much screaming as this one does, it caused quite the issue for the sound team. But that also didn't seem to be much of a concern for the director. The PA department spent you know, half their time banging on things and running around the set because we'd built the entire house and we wanted it to feel like if she hears something out in the backyard, then there's something in the backyard. Oh, that poor sound department. Ew. We've even got Glenn Howerton showing up in a brief role. The thunder of my vengeance will echo through these corridors like the gust of a thousand winds. The scene is brilliant because it slowly unfolds, you know, like most stuff in the movie, but with the masked man creeping behind him with an axe in hand. You're just waiting for him to bring it down on poor Glenn's head. Hello. But no, he's shot in the face by our heroes instead. Talk about a twist. Sure, it's mostly just to add a kill, but hey, it provides for one of the better scenes in the movie, so I'll take it. Originally, the film ended in a much different way. While in the ending that we received, the killers all take off their masks, we're never fully able to see their faces. Anytime their mask is off, the camera makes sure to stay away from them. But here it would have shown them fully, and even had them dress up in Kristen and James' clothes and clean up parts of the crime scene. Thankfully though, test audiences didn't like this and it was changed, keeping their faces hidden and therefore keeping the mystery alive. Then there's the unrated version which adds a brief scene where Kristen wakes up to a ringing cell phone. She crawls her way towards it, but it stops ringing just before she's able to answer it. Then the man in the mask appears and takes the phone away, leaving her for dead. It's yet another way for the film to defy audience expectations, because it loves doing that. The Strangers released in the United States on May 30th, 2008 and brought in nearly $21 million in its opening weekend. It would end that run at nearly $83 million worldwide. This absolutely made the film a hit and really gained an esteem in the 14 years since. 
Surprisingly though, critics and audiences didn't love it, both giving it a 48% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The consensus was that The Strangers has a handful of genuinely scary moments, but they're not enough to elevate the end results above standard slasher fare. Um, agree to disagree. Funnily enough, there was a mistake in distribution and faulty reels were sent to theaters across the US. This resulted in the audio and several scenes being filled with nothing but static. However, due to the tense nature of the film, most audiences didn't realize and just thought it was part of the movie. Thankfully, Universal would get the problem fixed eventually. It'll be easier next time. Despite its cult status, The Strangers only managed to have one produced sequel, 2018's The Strangers Pray at Night. Much less of a slow burn and more of a generic slasher, Pray at Night is pretty forgettable outside of the one pool scene that everyone seems to remember. While the masks all returned, no other actors from the original film carried over. So while yes, this is technically a sequel, it really feels that way in name only. Recently, there was a whole new trilogy announced with Madeline Petsch starring and Rennie Harlan directing. Now, I don't know much about Madeline other than the fact that she's from Riverdale, Ugh. but Harlan provided us with this moment. So I'm excited for anything this man does. And the fact that they're making a whole trilogy shows that they have some kind of interesting concept to work with. So fingers crossed that it turns out good. Because where the strangers really shines is its lack of explaining the killer's motivations. The fact that these are simply random murders makes it significantly scarier because of the element of it could happen to you. Because that's where horror can truly dig in the deepest. And there's nothing scarier than lines like this. Why are you doing this to us? Because you were home. 